0: Hello, Craig. <laughs> hey,
1: man. Uh, Alright, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Geeky Podcast. We Gaming got...
2: Division!
1: That's going to be our new... Uh... Can, can you do that every single time we start off an episode from now on?
2: Yes, it is now. It's now like my a... catchphrase.
1: That, that's perfect. Let's do it. Uh, we just got done getting our ass whooped a little bit in Apex Legends, so we just quit the game and decided... Will like, Which um, will be the
2: topic for today. Which will be the topic for today. The new smash hit larger than Fortnite within four days, that new battle royale called Apex Legends.
1: And, uh, yeah, we've we've been playing this game for... I started playing it the very first day that it came out. So it's only been out
2: for a week and a half now, and we both probably have thirty-ish. For you have forty-ish hours it's, sunk uh, into I, it. I
1: just I just looked at it right now, sixty-three hours.
2: Wow, <laughs> I was lowballing that, everybody. <laughs> yeah, the,
1: the game's been out. Uh, let's see, it's February seventeenth, and it's been out for. Uh, Wow, I can't type Apex Legends on Google. It's been out for altogether thirteen days. That game has been out for thirteen days. Uh, I got it twelve days back because I got it the. I don't think I got it the day, but I got it the very next day because I think that's So first was about
2: a, around a quarter of the time that the game's been the game's existed has been you playing it. <laughs> a
1: what do you mean a quarter?
2: You have, you have, whatever, math. Um, um okay, okay.
1: Yeah, so let's take a account at uh, February 4th release date. I started playing on February 5th. That's 12 days. Uh, 10 times 24, 240, 288 hours. Out of 288 hours of that game's existence, 63 of them have involved me playing Apex.
2: Okay, so one of our viewers can do the math for us there to get the exact number because this is not the math view podcast
1: Uh, would that podcast do any good
2: just a podcast where people talk about math uh youtube tutorials (laughs) youtube tutorials you never did you never did that like uh when you're in school uh watch youtube on how to do math homework
1: uh i've kind of done it like like, not how to do math homework, but, like, learn particular concepts or something like that that's being taught in class. And I'm just like, I have no fucking idea what they're saying.
2: YouTube is a better teacher than most professors at our school. <laughs> and it's free. <laughs> Oof.
1: Uh, Josh's opinions are his own and not voiced by the podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, but speaking of free, back to the um topic back of to, yeah, Back um, to
1: Apex Legends free-to-play game released with absolutely no marketing. Like, the only marketing that, I, I don't know about you, but the only marketing that I saw for this game was a couple of streamers that um, I watch quite a bit, like, posted it on their social media, just being like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm with the Response HQ right now. We're testing out this game. Uh, seems pretty cool, but I can't tell you guys anything about it. And then the day before it launched was, like, when it all just, like, just came out, you know?
2: i heard zero literally nothing about this game until the day it was out and then yep. it was suddenly everywhere
0: yep like Man. the
2: the day yeah, you started that. playing you were like hey have you heard of the apex legends and i was like what the fuck is that yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it doesn't sound like a battle royale game or anything like that it's not it's just just like this weird thing that came out of nowhere and yeah, it's. I just did the math. It's twenty percent of the time that the game's been out, I've been playing it.
2: Uh, though I, I would like to talk about. Um, we said it, it's a free to play game. Yep. Um, but I was doing some some estimating on. Uh, th- there's a microtransaction system in the game, like purely like,
1: aesthetic, though
2: purely aesthetic. You can get skins like in Overwatch for your guns and characters and a bunch of other uh, aesthetic things for your character. Just
1: your character, um, the banner, the pose—all of these different things. You can buy everything that for from an aesthetic point of view. But
2: the like game your scorecard,
1: exactly. But it it doesn't have any pay to play aspects to it. It's lit- It literally just showed us how like you can kind of use that system of like you know just. If you want your characters to look different, sure. Otherwise, like, earn your way through it. Because you can earn your way through it. It's just an incredibly slow process.
2: Incredibly slow. Which is what what I w- then wanted to talk about. was um, I was estimating the cost of, like, these microtransactions because it's in, done in the game's own currency form and you pay real money for these tokens uh, that I can't remember they're called. But... It's 10 it's around 10 bucks for one gun skin. Not not even the top tier gun skins, like uh they're they're uh, legendary ones that completely change the gun and add different uh physicality uh, attachments to it, which don't change gameplay at all, just purely aesthetic. But um those aren't even offered to buy. Um 10 bucks for a simple uh, color reskin.
1: Yep. You're not wrong about that.
2: So uh, that's driving me up a wall a little bit. I so know I don't have to, but yeah. it's something that like I still would like to earn, but the uh, they're, they're juicing it really well, um, which props to them of uh, making each skin purchase go a long way.
1: So this, this is my point of view when it comes to games like these and all of these different things. is like, it doesn't bother me as much if you have to purely pay for aesthetic purposes. Like, um, you know, if, if you just want uh, like a new gun skin or something like that, and that's the thing you pay for, that is perfectly fine for me. That's a money like a revenue earning scheme, especially for a game that's free to play like this one. What used to piss me off was more like, you know, if you want to unlock certain characters or something like that, and you can pay to do that in a game that's already fully paid. Like you pay $60 like for a game, watch. Like Overwatch. Like, yeah, sure. Or Battlefront and all of these other games. Like, which, uh, again, going back to it, this game is, I'm pretty sure, distributed or kind of overseen by EA. And it's one of the... The worst the masterminds
2: like, behind the famous Star Wars Battlefront,
1: <laughs> and masterminds behind like some of the worst like game like things that have happened in gaming in terms of like the push for just paid multiplayer gaming, pay to play systems. Uh, that like, was what I was sort of...
2: referring to, like the whole microtransactions uh, for okay. the Battlefront game, not not I'm the good talking. ones that came out like years ago. <laughs> but. Uh... Yeah, yeah, might, that was didn't had a part in making. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Uh, well,
1: um, old Battlefront games were Lucasfilm. Okay, like they have their own gaming division as well, and they still got... Like the last game that you know I was super hyped for when it came to like Lucasfilm's games was like a a game called Star Wars Thirteen Thirteen, which is being done by Lucasfilm, and then like another combined thing like you know how they usually do where like the current battlefront games are combination of ea and dice dice Mm -hmm. does the more beautiful things about like the aesthetic of it and the sound design and everything like that and then ea comes in with the revenue earning stream and then kind of just fucks it all up Mm -hmm. uh but this was this like coming back to it like the the, the, there's some Fantastic parts about the, the way that Apex Legends just did what it just did over the last 15 days. And then there's like a particular things that also raise issues for me. Uh the great thing that I love is that it it was a free-to-play game. They launched a free-to-play game that everyone loved. They until now, in the last 15 days of the game being out, they haven't instated some kind of battle pass system. Which I kind of like to an extent, because as much as people said that like Fortnite's um paid battle pass system is purely aesthetic. Some of those aesthetic things are a huge fucking help in game. There were certain especially
2: for camouflage and shit like that.
1: Exactly. Uh, Those camouflage things, then different poses that you could do could help you hide from other people. At that point, that's not pay to play. That's that's affect I mean, sorry, that's not only aesthetic purposes that actually affects you in game. If someone can do like a backflip and then like I don't know, there was some kind of like I remember seeing someone post a video about them doing like a backflip into a sliding pose, and that just lets them go behind a couch that's usually not available <sighs> for regular crouches. Mm-hmm. Now that affects the game itself. It could, so that like, sounds more like
2: a bug than a feature to me, though.
1: But they, unless it never they got came removed. out
2: saying that was intended.
1: No, like they didn't come out saying anything about it. Like Epic Games is notoriously known for not responding to anything.
2: Well, because they're they're making a gold mine doing exactly. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so why why fix it if they're already a huge success?
1: No, that that's the point behind it. Is like it's just um, this massive like conglomerate kind of thing that's going on, where uh, obviously they'd say. Uh, what was I gonna say? Yeah, ap- apparently, like, oh wow, I just completely lost my train of thought. Um, it, it's supposed to be only an aesthetic thing, where you know, sure, your character can dance or do dumb shit like that or something like that, but uh, then you can do these particular things that just allow you to completely alter the way you can be playing a game. They added that, like, they added particular skins that allowed people to like just disappear when it was dark because of how dark the character's skin was mm-hmm. like uh, there would be like some kind of like a metal armor character that was like, like painted in black and then obviously with the way that uh, Fortnite's animation shadow system works you can kind of go into the background and boom you're almost invisible And uh, skins that buff
2: your character
1: <laughs> basically like
2: uh, so that was the- a problem Back uh, when I played League of Legends as well, there were. Uh, there, the game is also free to play and also has similar microtransactions where you b- buy skins. Um, and some of those skins are actually banned from competitive play because Riot Games, can't, the, its developer, came forward saying that these skins do indeed augment play styles. So. Like, there was, there's a character that um, has an ability that can shoot out his arm and grab a char- another character and bring it to him. hmm And he has a skin that makes that projectile almost invisible. So it's almost impossible to dodge if the person has aim. Um, so that, that's another example of a well, feature, or- not bug. <laughs> uh,
1: Ride Games also has that the right is in charge of league right yes uh well like if you want most of the characters in the game you have to pay for it and then there's a clear divide between like what kind of free character what free characters can do compared to what the paid characters can do like- well that's
2: just balancing issues because there's 115 plus characters and yeah. changing any one of them will affect the others somehow um so i understand the whole meta game arising from that i'm not agreeing with it either i just understand like why it's happening because that's partly why i quit that game Mm -hmm. um
1: but uh i'm gonna go back to like that the thought process that i had because it just popped into my head again right uh apex going all the way back to the original topic the game spent very little mar- money marketing itself and everything like that. I, I guess it spent a lot of money in terms of giving all the streamers their game and letting them play it, but it was literally like all of the revenue that they made, a lot of the gameplay, uh, or a lot of the um, player base that they got, and the way that it kind of took up over social media purely had to do with, to be honest, with Twitch
2: and it costs them nothing it doesn't cost anything to give a streamer your game
1: exactly it's it's a little bit of money like at the end of the day uh you're gonna have a bunch of other people take it so say you give it to a thousand streamers sure you just spent sixty thousand dollars on you know if they'd released it as a sixty dollar game uh you spent sixty thousand dollars but in like in return you got what do they add like over 10 million concurrent, or not concurrent, but over 10 million unique identifier players. So th- that should give you an example of just, like, the amount of money that you can make back off of something like this, where even if 0.1% of them start buying skins or something like that, that eventually makes a difference.
2: Yeah, imagine even if each, each one of those players bought a single gun skin... In their entire career of playing this game, that's like even million. just once, that's a shitload of money. Th- th- uh, that's, that's already paying for itself.
1: That's <laughs> way more than paid for itself. Uh, then you bring into account, you know, the, the competitions that they're starting to host, the e like esports division that's kind of coming out of Apex right now because they've already had a couple of competitions. Uh, so, like, all of these things make a big difference, you know. So I, I kind of, th- this is a fantastic thing, but at the same time, I remember recently reading an article where um, people were talking about why, they, why Twitch has kind of affected the way they make single-player campaigns. And not, not that I say that I agree with this person or the, the way that the person looks at this market, but there is a point of view that comes across which somewhat makes sense. And it's the fact that like single-player campaigns don't have the Twitch following which don't result in the sales that just purely multiplayer games have. Mm-hmm. And that's why that person, um, I can't remember where that person worked or what uh, exactly he did. I just remember like reading articles about it. And it was just like he talked about how there is no real push for story-driven single-player campaigns because Twitch derives such a massive level of an audience. And it gives them so much more money to just create one multiplayer off game, which people are going to buy, even if it's a one off thing. I'm one of those people like I ended up spending money on Black Ops 4 because I wanted to play Blackout. And my entire purpose was like, this is a new, you know, Battle Royale game. Uh, Maybe I might enjoy multiplayer a little bit. Maybe I might play a little bit of like zombies, but I'm purely going to be playing this game for Blackout. And Blackout sucked.
2: Did you ever even touch the campaign?
1: There is no campaign.
2: No oh, there no campaign. is no campaign. Wow.
1: No, no, there isn't any. Like it's just zombies, uh, zombies multiplayer and blackout. And that was one of my main things. Was like I the back when I used to actually play uh, Call of Duty, like almost you know every game to game, the campaign was one of my favorite things. Like multiplayer was fun for me, but multiplayer never like stood out and i know that's very different from like the rest of what um the i guess the rest of the general gaming audience looks at it but mult like multiplayer fpss don't hold out the way for me that a really really great like single player campaign will and like something yeah that that's just one of those things like i would much rather prefer, spec ops line is an example of a game that i played where I don't even remember if there was a multiplayer aspect, but that game, I replayed it like three times purely because of the single-player campaign. I still remember the World at War campaign. I still remember the Modern Warfare campaign. I remember almost every Battlefield campaign right now. And if I got back into the game, like obviously, it would be like, oh, I won't, I won't remember all of it, but there would be parts of the campaign that I can just be like, oh, I remember this, I remember that. So, Call of Duty, this multiplayer never incredibly stood out, stood out to me. Battlefields did, but that was because I got to do way more than just play like a shoot 'em up kind of game. Like I got to drive around vehicles. I got to do all of these different things. Team
2: deathmatch.
1: Exactly. <laughs> it, it felt like almost like you were playing like a fifty v fifty battle royale or fifteen v fifteen battle royale. Uh, before battle Royales kind of became a much bigger game,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and. Yeah, like that, that was one of those things where I'm just like, this push for just purely multiplayer-based things because they're so heavily reliant on Twitch for sales now. It, it set this precedent going forward that you make games that are streamable-friendly, but it doesn't ma- really matter whether it's a good play or not. And that heavily affects like a market of people that love to play the games themselves. And that was basically my rant on that idea.
2: Mm-hmm. That'll make sense to me. <laughs> what? <Go ahead. laughs>
1: no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. What were you saying?
2: <laughs> I, I was going to say well, as someone that uh, does watch some streamers that stream uh, single player games, mm-hmm. it's still a spectacle to me to watching the uh, story be played. Yep. Um,. And it just adds another dimension of entertainment value to me to see their reaction as well as mine at the same time of what's going on. For sure. Um, Just like in YouTube. So I do agree that um, the uh, streamable aspect of uh, multiplayer games, because of their replayability, is a large uh, contributor to the theater of gaming right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think single player streaming will still have a have a presence at least for the near future because um the the amount of times where I've then had to i've then felt like I should go out and buy the single player game that I just watched someone beat mm-hmm. experienced by myself um could could probably keep a keep a store in business
1: <laughs> no um, I- I agree with you from that, but like I think that's kind of what they were talking about in terms of, like, if you look at some of the games that came out last year between like Spider-Man- uh, It's
2: like, almost like a demo run. Exactly, like, uh, yeah. Like how a, how a demo discs used to be a thing, rest in peace. Um, it's twi- <laughs> Twitch is just see, try, trying out the game.
1: Like, I, I'd say the best way to describe it is for me, there are, I remember, uh, I do this a whole lot less with Twitch, but that's also because I watch Twitch a whole lot less than I used to watch YouTube. But a lot of the times, the games that I ended up buying came from the fact that I would see some of the YouTubers that I follow play those particular games. That's how I found out about Telltale Games, for example, was watching other YouTubers play that game. And then from ba- basically from like Walking Dead Season 1 until the ch- studio shut down. I would one way or another make sure that I either got those games through their regular system or whether I would get it through a humble bundle or something like that. So, like it kind of built in a brand loyalty, and that was because I watched someone play it. Like that's mm-hmm. what led me to do that. And I think that like this, but the way that you were saying it, and th- th- this is also something that like I even though I fall into this category of people that would watch other people play it, and then want to play it myself, so I end up buying the game, it seems like that might be a much smaller number of people compared to just hundreds of thousands of people that are more on the casual side of the, uh, this who just watch someone play like multiplayer games and they're like, I got to get that game just because I want to do exactly what they're doing.
2: Well, that's how the whole esports scene is coming around right now, mm-hmm. where it's these multiplayer games can be seen as almost a sport, Mm -hmm. Um, which the only difference is it's done virtually um, and for almost entirely different audiences, I'd argue. Um, But I'd say that's a good thing. That's making a whole nother industry right now. Um, And I'm a little biased because I used to participate myself. You were a competitive uh, gamer. (laughs) um, Not anymore, unfortunately but um, I uh, think that's... It, it's it, There's a duality to it, because it's producing new nuances in the industry, but it's also overshadowing of... Um,
1: what the traditional the aspect of gaming was. Yes. Like that, that's what I kind of viewed that Which as. Which
2: you mentioned point. a few minutes ago, the more casual audience, and I think that really hit hits uh, the hammer on the nail, um, because... Uh, the number of, back to Fortnite as the largest example right now. Um, mm-hmm. The number of kids that reference Fortnite and how that's such a big cultural phenomenon, undeniably, even if you're not a fan of it, mm-hmm. um, the way it's affected kids and the um, industry the, as a whole.
1: The push on pop culture for that game as well. It wasn't just you know we wouldn't just see it on IGN. We wouldn't just see it on like uh rock paper shotgun or some of these other like gaming related things but we started seeing it on fucking broadcast tv like advertisements for it come up for samsung phones and just this general widespread audience where it, it became equivalent to like uh i don't know seeing like commercials for diapers or something like that
2: mhm i mean the other day i was walking um past a bookstore <laughs> and one yep, of the yep. uh One of the um, tables in the window was the Fortnite table with all the merchandise and the figures and, like, the pinata pickaxe thing that you hit shit with. Um, So it's everywhere. Um, And I'd like to see that happening with more... um, with other games becoming more mainstream and uh, because it used to be just a very niche hobby, but... uh, the multiplayer esports scene is bringing it to a much more casual audience, and I think why the need in the conversation.
1: I think uh, one of the other things that kind of brought about this change was the eventual in- investment into the division. The fact that it kind of became a career choice, people could start building careers off of these these particular things, allowed it to get a much larger market out of it. Because esports is incredibly brand new you could you could definitely talk about the fact that there were these arcade competitions that used to happen back in the day or something like that but like it was nowhere close to what it is right now it was way more of a regional thing it was way more of a community thing and then as time went by, as we got into the late 2000s, maybe even the mid-2000s, that's when we started seeing the larger and larger competitions take place, where we saw StarCraft competitions take place, Dota competitions take place. And that eventually delved into CS and a few other games. And that, that, that's I think that's what led to a much, much larger, um, I guess, like a combination of like it turning over from just a hobby kind of thing to just this widespread uh uh, what's the best way to say it? Like an esports phenomenon kind of thing. Like, as someone who works in, you know, or has studied finance, kind of works with it and everything like that, the op- like opportunities are incredibly lucrative. People are buying esports teams left and right because their viewerships are beating out traditional sports. So,
2: yeah. I was just uh, talking the other day with another friend of mine about how Overwatch has become an international game. Yep. There are teams in Asia and teams in Europe that play against the teams here. Yep. Um and people watch it. It's yep. it's like uh well, I'm not really comparing it to the Super Bowl lately, but it's um there are it, it, it's people like with the, following these teams like they're following the Patriots or the Steelers.
1: Yep. Um I'm trying to r- remember. Like it talked about how the league viewership, like the League of Legends, uh, what's it called? What's the main like tournament call?
2: Uh, the LCS for uh, for League of Legends. Uh, yeah, yeah, the League, of Legends the league Championship. Championship Series. Yeah. Uh,
1: it's viewership beat out. Like I'm pretty sure beat out like. Hockey games and like or, or like the Stanley Cup or something like that. Like it started beating, you know, it was it was immense. It was fucking insane as to the amount of people that were watching it. And I think, uh, yeah, no, there was a lot of these different things. So, but again, we're, we're kind of like we went off on that tangent of esports again. Uh, we should to- uh,
2: rename this to the Tangent Views Podcast. Tangent
1: View <laughs> Podcast. I think I'm I'm just gonna call I'm gonna call this episode the tangent view podcast, <laughs> like that. That's uh, I'm just gonna call it the tangent view. That's it. No <laughs> one's gonna have absolutely any idea as to what the hell it's supposed to be about. Like the previous episode that I put out is just called Super Bowl Fifty Three advertisements. Very on the point.
2: We can, we can notice- make uh, if we call it the tangent view, we can also make a bunch of geometry jokes. <laughs> please don't (laughs) Uh, Uh, leave a comment if you want to hear some geometry (laughs) jokes (laughs) oh god Uh, but um, if those exist
1: (laughs) no they definitely exist like there's the acute angle jokes and stuff like that like it's everywhere (laughs) that's Uh, one
2: acute angle
0: (laughs) yeah
1: that's basically it it's like uh do you know what kind of an angle you are? You're a cute angle. And it's just like, all right, end it all. <laughs> uh, but I, I remember there was a, a point that we, I, this was like way back when I think I was hanging out at your place and then we started talking about it. Or we were just talking at my place or something like that. But we started talking about just um, how early access gaming. Like, that that's one of the things that we were talking about. And that was something we didn't witness with this. We didn't witness that with Apex Legends. It just released. That's it. They released a fully formed game that was a big issue. Like, th- this is going to be my two main comparisons because I, I, I've, like, fully made this transition at least over the last 15 days where I haven't even touched PUBG in a while now. But that was one of the things where PUBG was a game that went into... Um, early access for about six months, then called it a full release even though it was still fixing all of its bugs for another year. Um, that's something that we did not notice with Apex Legends at all. I see problems with Fortnite to this day in terms of the Bloom system and when you shoot people or cer- certain things like that. But I-, I think this kind of like showed that aspect of like you don't need to release games in early access for them to be successful. Which... <laughs> unfortunately, most of the industry
2: does not believe in. An example right now that's uh, breaking my heart a little bit is um, the Subnautica games. Yeah, yeah I, I love mean, Subna- Subnautica. I, I, um, same. The I love first the one the uh, was in early access for a very long time and they just slowly were adding features and features until just last year they finally released the full mm-hmm. version. Um, which I I think the all the uh, which they just um finally put the stamp of approval on of it. it it's finished now guys but it had the uh, all the features in it already they just need to press the go button at yep. last but um they just a week or two ago um put out the early access for the sequel Subnautica uh, two yep uh Sub Zero and. Yep. I thought it was gonna. It meant the full version was out, but no. It's it's the, a whole uh, other game now. It's the yeah. It's a whole another game, but yep. it's early access. Yeah. So it's a mess. <laughs> uh, and I, I know now this. it's gonna be hanging over my head for another two years while it's being finished. Um, while I hear randomly about oh, they added. Blah, 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 new creature to the game. Go take a look for an hour trying to find it.
1: But the, uh, the thing that used to piss me off about this was the way that they m- not marketed the game, but the way that they financed it in the sense that you would have to pay in order to finally get a broken game. Like, it, they, it started happening more and more until <sighs> it basically took over most of... Uh Steam, to be honest, like a significant amount of games on Steam are considered early access games, and a significant amount of them are paid at early access games if that kind of makes sense, mm-hmm. which was uh one of the things that really bothered me was that you're you're basically asking people to pay for a broken game, and where it pissed me off even more was it would be the thirty or forty dollar price charge on a broken game itself.
2: I didn't experience this next example for myself but can you uh, tell us about your experiences with the uh, the raft game? Uh
1: raft was so I think raft was what a $20 game uh, that's what it got released on right? And mm-hmm. raft was one of those games where I tried it out for a while one of our other friends tried it out for a while like we were we were You the recommended people. it to
2: me. I um, did
1: recommend it to you. But which I never tried was- but the issue that we ran into on Raft was that it ended up being a game where I don't know how, what's the best way to put it. It had nothing at the start. You had a shark, you could build stuff and everything like that, but it was still really buggy. There were still real issues in it. Um, at the same time, the gameplay was incredibly limiting and it was a little too hard. It got to that point where it's just like...
2: It was look can- at a shark simulator.
1: <laughs> yeah, but like it's like you need... Food to survive. You need all of these different things. The looting system wasn't perfect perfected yet as to how much food and other, everything else you can find. It was too much of a grind for too little of a result, with nothing really happening in it. And I think that's one of the issues that I kind of ran into. And then they've been adding stuff to the game as time has gone by. Because I, I'm still a part of Raft's like uh, Discord channel, so. You know, Every once in a while, I'll go and take a look as to what they've added and everything like that. And I'll be like, that would be really cool. But at the same time, my experience if, with that early it early on... If it happened
2: a year ago. <laughs>
1: exactly. That's the thing. And like, um, I can't remember who exactly said this, but I agreed with it wholeheartedly when I watched it happen on someone's stream. And I think it might have been Shroud talking about some games or something like that, but he said this exact quote, or I'm paraphrasing to an extent. It's not an exact quote, but it's just like... Every time you release a game in Early Access, you start a countdown timer to its eventual death. And if you don't fix that game as soon as it, like you start seeing the issues come up, your game is going to die out faster than it would have had you released it as a fully-fledged game later on. Mm-hmm. Because
2: I, it makes it feel like the parts of the game that make it the game. Yeah. Um, are DLC those features are DLC at yep. that point because you're waiting and waiting for all these integral parts to finally be added, um, like like in Raft. <laughs> it's
1: it's a lot of the games that I've come across. A lot of the games, Arc for example. I remember playing Arc early, early on because I was I I would what you would consider one uh, um, one of the early adopters of that game. I saw it right when it got into early access, or I think it might have been in like an open beta or something like that. And I saw a video of it on Neb's gaming channel. And I'm just like, this game looks incredible. I get to play with like dinosaurs, I get to like tame them and all of these different things. And I got that game in 2016, maybe. I think it recently, no joke, maybe a couple of months back is when Ark finally decided to launch as a full-fledged game.
2: They were releasing expansions,
1: though. (laughs) They were releasing expansions, paid expansions, paid DLCs for a game that was in early access. And that's what completely screwed me over, was the fact that, like, I already paid, uh, I think when I got the game in 2016, it was a $19 game. I remember looking at it and trying to get other people to buy it maybe a year later, and at that point it had become a $30 game. Still in early access. Uh, I was able to convince a couple of other people t- to buy it, and now it's eventually reached a sixty dollar mark, where you still have all of these pre-planned, D- not even pre-planned, already available DLCs inside the game. So you can get a sixty dollar version of arc but you still won't have three of the maps.
2: Then you can pay an extra fifty dollars for a T Rex.
1: <laughs> and but it, it's funny, but at the same time, it's incredibly true. Like. Uh, that no one really talks about this, but Sims is one of the worst abusers of the system. Because you pay for a game of Sims, but almost everything that they released after that is a paid DLC. Mm-hmm. And it, it is like, it is destroying like, it's destructive to just see how much those DLCs cost. Because you can pay $40 for a Sims game, for example, right? Uh, I know Sims 4 on release was probably like 40 or 60 or something like that. And then you like all of the DLCs added up are about $120, $130 on top of the original base game price. So
2: you heard it here, folks. Boycott the Sims.
1: <laughs> no, it's it's too big of a franchise. It's it's one of those things where like gamers that love Sims will play it, but at the same time, Sims has this massive, massive fan base of people that don't really play games but play the Sims.
2: Which reaches out to the casual audience like we were exactly. discussing before. But and um, why it still survives. I, because I, I fully don't think if The Sims was released for the first time today, that it would survive.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. It's the uh, base that it's been building up for a very long time. It's
2: only around right now still because it was got so famous when it was out.
1: Like if I look at it right now, if I wanna, if I go into Origin right now and I take a look at Sims, right, it's still a thirty nine dollar game, thirty nine ninety nine, and then I obviously get the Deluxe Edition for forty nine ninety nine, which does not include extra DLCs or anything like that. It's just a few other random things. Like you get the music and you get a couple of other things, and then you have like there are DLCs that cost forty dollars. You basically there's three DLCs that I'm taking a look at called Get Famous, Four Seasons, and Cats and Dogs. Each of those are forty dollar DLCs. So at that point, you're just like this. This game is like uh, it's horrifying to see that happen. Where like a, a base game, you have basically to be a super
2: it, fan to be the, doing when,
1: that. Not only that, but at the end of the day, in order to like fully enjoy Sims or to fully enjoy Sims 4, you need to shell out about 300 to $350 for that game. So
2: Just to hear little fake people talk in a language that no one understands. Ex- yeah.
1: And I, I don't think most of the people get these DLCs. These are just DLCs that get put out and everything like that, but it's it's kind of weird. And at the same time, it's happening more and more with the system of early access combined with a full release then followed by DLCs being released. So it's almost like a tiered system where you're paying more and more in order to fully experience a game. Either that or you do something what EA did with Battlefront, which is you release an incomplete game as your first game and then you release a complete version of it as your second game. (laughs)
0: Because
1: that is exactly what Battlefront 2 was. Battlefront 2 was Battlefront 1 in a completed form. You got the campaign that you required because Battlefront One gave gave you no campaigns. You get all of these different things that just weren't available in the first Battlefront, and you were there that were available in Battlefront Two. But it still used everything that was similar, like the exact same in Battlefront One. It didn't really change much. So like that's that's basically what they did but they the, the, what they did right was they, the way that they marketed it because they were just like we're now giving you a campaign as opposed to we didn't give you a campaign the last time and now we finally put it in but now we're going to get 120 dollars from you as opposed to 60 <laughs> Um but yeah it, it's one of those things where like the, this has been something that's been bugging me for a while and that's something that uh you obviously know about as well which is just like this this epidemic of early access games, which just give you bullshit broken games for like twenty to sixty dollars. Most
2: which, of the time... uh, I don't want to put it out there that we're fully against this whole philosophy of early yeah. a- action or, or um, early access yeah. or early access. Excuse me. Yeah, because it does let a lot more people make games that wouldn't exactly. be able to to begin with. So that that's not what we're saying. We're saying that... um.
1: It's when you release a broken game as opposed to a game at its bare essentials. Like, like I, I, I don't know. Like, uh, to an extent, I am against the idea of early access gaming when it comes from much larger studios or studios that are well-funded or something along those lines. Right,
2: because they don't need to do it.
1: Exactly. Or it can also just come from, like... Uh, th- this is where it kind of gets abused a lot, is a lot of, like indie studios using it as a way to push forward a broken product and not getting the funding directly from a distributor or producer or something like that but more of asking the people that are playing the game to fund the game as it goes along as opposed to using a system like patreon or kickstarter or something like that Mm -hmm. like i i completely understood the idea of like kickstarter games which is just like Give me the like, you know. I please help me fund my game, and I will put out a finished product for you. Whereas early Which access, I'd is- be totally
2: all right with. I'm right now backing um a uh, a game called Bloodstained by uh, the director of uh, the old Castlevania games, and mm-hmm. I backed that three or four years ago, and it's still yeah. not. I'm still waiting on it, but I'm okay because I know it's going to be amazing when it's finally out. And not and, tarnished by me having a bad experience with it before it was completed. Exactly, and
1: that's my idea, which is just like if you like, I fully understand the Kickstarter system. Hell, I actually even support it more. Like, if if indie developers want to put out a game, you go through that like idea of like raise the money, as opposed to kind of it's like this weird marketing bait and switch shit that happens a lot in gaming. And that, that, that isn't. this is an example of something like that, where you put out a product, you sell it as this like fantastic thing, and then it ends up being absolute buggy bullshit, but you've already paid for it because you've paid for it as an early access game, which allows them to just say, this is an early access game, don't expect it to be fully functional, but mm-hmm. give us $30. Or it's,
2: at least make it not the full price to pay when if You're if you, dedicating for early access. Make it make the game that's eventually going to be thirty dollars like five dollars and say exactly. that's contributing to the development. See, like, no, make, that, that's something I not, completely agree with. You. Make it I, not quite ahead. peanuts. Make it so it's helpful enough that to be helpful, but not enough that you're paying for the equivalent of a full game and putting out the equivalent of a demo almost exactly.
1: Oh, like you're putting out an open beta, but you're asking people to pay you $29.99 to the point where it's just like if you were paid four ninety nine, and, you know, you got a bunch, a lot of other people to give you those four ninety nine, and then you reinvested that back into the game. Because early access games are also seeing that system of like you put out that game and you don't really fix it the way that you should have because you're already making enough money that you start reinvesting that back, not into the game, but into yourself.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and like that at the end of the day is my like rant about what like like the the the, the idea that I see the benefits of early access gaming but how it's way more abused as a process
0: yeah
2: (laughs) yeah which uh, let let us all know what your opinions on uh, early access and the effects on the industry in the comments Um, yeah but Go ahead, I'm still we, we here. sorry, <laughs> we, we both think it's a, a. It started out as a good system, but it's being abused by the prevalence and easy access on Steam and other platforms like that. Um, but back to our ri- original topic of uh, Apex Legends doing yep. it really well and coming out of nowhere, and it's a smash hit. They pulled it off flawlessly, and. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes from here and how long it can last um, hopefully for a while because I think it can they release enough to keep players hooked but I think it, there's a lot more direction that it can go in I
1: think now would be a good time to kind of like, I, I can maybe give some of my thoughts as to what I want to see games like Apex do including Apex itself after release and then mm-hmm. you can kind of give me your thoughts on it as well or whether you agree with it or not but for me, I think Apex in itself, right now for the next two months, I'd say, has a pretty solid thing going for it. But the moment it hits that sixty-day mark, if they haven't added either more characters or something along those lines to keep the game a little bit fresh, it's gonna experience the thing that Realm Royale ex- experienced a while back, mm-hmm. and that Realm Royale unfortunately just died. Like that, that game just doesn't exist anymore and that was a game where in its start had a $300,000 competition take place and then a $100,000 competition take place the game pl- the gameplay like was pretty well done but the base for it was huge and when you have a game that's going directly into esports like a month into release it's because people really genuinely like the game but the game died off really fast why because they didn't add anything else to it the characters stayed the same. They kept modifying characters in the way that they use particular things without really consulting with the players itself. They just decided what was the right thing to do with the characters, mm-hmm. and that really bugged a lot of gamers. Um, because it's like you know, one of the things about like these the, these uh, almost like uh, battle royales that use powers of some kind or have alts and things like that is that it takes a while to get used to those characters. And then the (laughs) moment you're just like, we're going to take this particular power and completely destroy how ranged it is. Or we're going to replace the power itself. And then you're just over there as a person who loves that game and just going like, what the fuck is this? Like, how do I play this? Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think those are some of the things. Like, I think Apex could heavily learn from what Run Royale did wrong. And not make those mistakes. I think that they've already learned from what PUBG did wrong, which is not released a broken ass game, and then like start esports competitions for it while it's still incredibly fucking buggy. Um, I think going ahead, I want to see Apex put out more characters. I would love to. And one of the things that really pissed me off about Fortnite, but I really liked about PUBG, was the availability of other maps. Mm-hmm. Let them take their time. Like every you know, three to four months, every quarter, basically, have another map come out. So it gives people the variety of, like, trying out different maps. It gives people the variety of, like, a much-required thing in the game. Try, put in different guns, put in, like, different kinds of armor or different systems. And then eventually, you'll have, like, this full-fledged product of, like, four to five maps, 15 to 20 characters, all of these different things that you can try out. With, the ways that are, maybe increase it from, like, three to maybe four people. Or have the ability, yeah, like make it, you know, you have the w- uh, ability to play as a single person, the ability to play as a three, and maybe an ability to play as like a five-person group or something like that, like five groups of twelve that add up to sixty people, and just like the variety of it would make a huge difference. Like if someone's just like, my friends aren't playing this game right now, I'll still play solo games as opposed to my friends aren't playing this game right now, I'm just not gonna play the game because I don't want to play with random people.
2: Right, I I don't think I've played a single time by myself. Yeah, um, it's more fun, as with most games, to play with uh, a full party. Um, and I think you're at a major disadvantage even if you're not doing so.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I completely agree. It's a whole lot. I have tried playing games, and I've actually like it's not even like I haven't had a good time playing them. Like I've won, I've won a few games where it's just me playing by myself, and then I'm paired up with random people. Uh, and then we've heavily relied on just like the you know the, the, the thing that well, Apex. Well, at that point,
2: with. it's not relying on the teamwork. That is relying yeah. on each like person's existence individual existence. skill.
1: Exactly, and that combined with the fact that like Apex was made for a way that like um, you could actually play the game without having to talk with the other person. But it's the talking that just makes it so much better. Where it's just like. Josh, there's someone over there as you put the marker down. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, like, you might miss the marker or maybe they're way too far and you don't have the site, but your friend does. However, that's a whole lot harder to communicate with someone who doesn't have their mic plugged in or their headphones plugged in as you're telling them, dude, the marker that I'm putting down is yellow, but there's, like, three people coming from that direction. So... Yeah, go ahead. What were you saying? Uh, that, that, that was kind of my idea, which was just like, keep updating the game, add in more characters, add in more guns, add in more maps. Uh, just allow the variety of something like that to continue. Because as of now, I have played as seven out of the eight characters mm-hmm. in the game. And I uh, would
2: definitely yeah. agree that it does need more characters and more guns. But I mm-hmm. think what's more important than either of those mm-hmm. is to make the feeling of playing as each different character feel more meaningful, because Mm -hmm. a lot of them, they have a lot of different abilities, sure, but they don't feel as impactful as they definitely could be, because right now it feels mostly just a different skinning of the same uh, player character, um, Mm -hmm. where only some of the alts and some of the abilities make a difference in a fight um, or have strategic value um, or the, even the combinations of the abilities on the same characters
1: yep.
2: because Blood- Bloodhound for example, his whole deal is like he's a tracker of trying to find clues of where the enemy's gone and mm-hmm. using the radar to give advantage to your team Yeah. Um, but those clues that uh, he, the footprints he can see, are so far in, in between that it doesn't make sense for it to be his um, passive ability.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. No, no, I feel you. Like it's As only with really-
2: the uh, radar Rated. ability that lets him see through the uh, through walls for a mm-hmm. short time, it's so so. Um, With the size of the map and how far between being characters, uh, being, uh, distance away from other teams, Mm -hmm. uh, the, like, approximately 10-15 foot radius of this, uh, radar, um, is almost useless in most scenarios because if you're ever that close to the team, you already know they're there. Yeah.
1: It's only really useful in two particular places, in my opinion. Or actually three very early in game when you've all landed in like a very small area v- pretty much at the end of the game and when you're and the third time being like when you're about to do a push on some other team like when you're about mm-hmm. to go into a house and try to like kill all of them so you use that radar ability but i i like radar ability i understand the uses for it the, the ability to track people's footprints in my opinion is Kind of absolutely bullshit because it, it re- requires it to be over the last like 30 seconds of someone being there. And mm-hmm. at the same time, like, sure, you can track someone's footprints. And if you pull up behind them, you're more likely to have a pretty good chance of like at least trying to do some significant damage or actually knock them down.
2: Which but on paper, time, it sounds amazing being exactly. able to do that in a game like Apex, but in practice, it's just not as good.
1: No, it's not. And it's, I think it's the same thing with And each
2: character has some glaring flaw like that in my opinion which we can go through, but that would take a much longer amount of time than much I think we episode, have for yeah. for right now. Um but so I would above all push for um for Apex to more player player more character diversity and sticking mm-hmm. to each character's identity and what they're modeling as um because some of them have just contradicting designs for what they're built to be doing i'd
1: I'd say here's a good example of something that I would like to see in agree like in agreement and i don't know I don't know what the exact term for it is but it, like um Gibraltar and Wraith. Gibraltar being a tanked, like massive dude, and Wraith being like a much smaller, faster person, both run at the exact same speed.
2: And both have the same amount of health. Exactly.
1: These are certain things that I would like to see modified to a certain extent. It's like what TF2 kind of did with the heavy had like 475 health, whereas Scout had like 120. Mm-hmm. That's something that I would like to see, but at the same time, the way that scout is ridiculously fast make wraith ridiculously fast just in the way that uh she runs and then make gibraltar slower but add like that extra like actually make him into a tank if you want him to be presented as a because well, yeah
2: he has a shield a force field shield uh, of course but mm-hmm. so the designation of being in the tank class doesn't it's make sense other than yeah. the shield exactly
1: uh, I think it's the same thing with Caustic, where Caustic is supposed to be a larger tank character, but his attacks or his like abilities are more like I'm gonna throw it's a zone gas control.
2: Grenade. Yeah, it's um, it's uh crowd control and zoning abilities. It's not tanking. I would classify Caustic as much more a support class than a tank because there's not really defensive capability.
1: No, I, I feel you, but then at the same time, then you have three support characters out of the
2: eight. Does that make sense? Well, Bloodhound is the only, like, I I don't even know what his class is called. Like, the Navigator or something.
1: (laughs) His class is just an AoE class, like, area of effect (laughs) class. Literally, because his symbol is just a circle with a radar on it. Like, the way that Gibraltar has a shield, uh, Mirage, the character that I play as a lot, has, like, you know, the three rounds, uh, like, just the three bullet rounds, uh, that, that kind of gives you an idea. Okay, so one's assault, one's defensive, one's... But, like, then Bloodhound is just, like, this weird, like, circle AOE class. And, uh, yeah, to an extent, like, I would I would love... To, I, I completely agree with that. Like, one of the things that I feel that we're running into, into a slight kind of an issue, which is uh, not really that that visible in Overwatch, but it is in this, is that each of the classes need to kind of stand out. Each of the classes kind of need their own thing. And I completely agree with you. Like if, if say, I take Mirage, so I take like an assault class that also focuses on uh, decoys and like you know just these different t- tactics of like confusing the other enemy, then if you pick, um, I don't know, like Pathfinder, right? then Mm -hmm. you have the ability to, like, help us escape or put down, like, ways for us to get to different places or something like that. And then I, as Mirage, can combine, like, my decoy with, like, a sniper. And then we also have Gibraltar actually as a tank in case someone pushes in on us. And he can kind of be used as a combination of a meat shield and, like, an actual, like, I can hold my own while you two flank around.
2: Right, and the problem is... They're all same at baseline, other than exactly. when I press Q, it does a different thing.
1: Exactly, and the, 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 no, I completely agree with that. Like, I feel like as Mirage, as someone whose character is like an assault, evading combination class, if I'm running, I should be running faster than a Gibraltar. A Gibraltar should not be able to keep up with me because the guy's huge and like has a shield and everything like that. Kind of play more into the design of the characters. I 100% agree with you on that. <laughs> So, like, yeah, I, I think we kind of just, you know, if Respawn wants to listen to this podcast and kind of, like, <laughs> edit their games Our the professional
2: future, opinions. <laughs>
1: hey, it's still pretty decent. Like, we're both people. You are academically inclined to it while being a competitive player I'm, and a long-time consumer. I'm just a long-time consumer with, you know, degrees in how to keep your company, you know, running and not fail out to everything else.
2: And lots of opinions. <laughs> and lots of opinions, but also it's a podcast.
1: That's all we do. <laughs> yeah. Like a podcast is basically just a way to voice opinions. So screw it. Why not just delve into it? Mm-hmm. But yeah, respawn. Listen into us. <laughs> Make those modifications over the next few months, and uh, I promise you that your game will last for a while.
2: Yeah, we 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 love the game. <laughs> yeah, we
1: do love the game. Uh, it's. I think that's pretty much visible over the fact that I have 63 hours in-game already. <laughs> so, uh, but I think we're going to call it there. That was a lot of tangents that we went on. I think we just hit the hour-long mark. So that's a pretty solid amount of time. We talked about yeah, Apex. We talked about...
2: To the Tangent View podcast. <laughs>
1: tangent View podcast. Uh, yeah, we, let's see. We went over Apex. We went over Early Access Gaming. We talked a little bit about... You know, multiplayer to single player, we kind of talked a lot of shit. So hopefully, you guys found something interesting. And uh,
2: we have something for everyone here. (laughs) Yeah, a very game-related an hour of content.
1: (laughs) But uh, hopefully, you all enjoyed it. All right, guys. Josh, you got any anything you want to say before we close out the podcast?
2: Thanks for listening, guys.
1: (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. See y'all. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye.